Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes. Welcome to The Less Stressed Life, all about making this your time to feel freaking awesome about your life, health, and happiness. This podcast of The Less Stressed Life is hosted by Krista Bigler. Krista is an integrative registered dietitian nutritionist who specializes in reducing food-related stress, inflammation, and symptoms of food sensitivities. She brings over a decade of nutrition expertise and playing with her food to the table. From coaching, teaching, writing, and work within a major food company to behind the scenes for a health celebrity. To learn more, visit lessstresslife.com. Hello, my friends. Today, quick kitchen ninja tip. I wanted to tell you about my undying love for mushrooms, but not the mushrooms you're thinking about. Like, what if your brain fog could be less so and you could feel more focused and clear? Seriously, that is what chaga mushrooms do for you. And I have um, I have some different like a coffee and a hot cocoa. And then there's some other brands out there where, where they do like high quality, different types of mushroom, mushrooms that help with clarity and different things, um, because it's kind of almost like an herbal. Um, and I, it, you can really get in the zone. I've had really good success with like chaga and uh, I think lion's mane mushroom. So if you want to search for some of those, um, I, this is not an advertisement, but I do use four sigmatic and there's some other ones out there as well. So maybe we should tell four sigmatic that they could sponsor the less stressed life, huh? Uh, we'll be sitting around drinking our chaga. I think if you struggle with sitting down to focus, then it's kind of like a secret weapon. Anyway, uh, speaking of mushrooms, since we're talking about mushrooms, um, how do we like mushrooms? I didn't like mushrooms until college. I was dating a guy who was a wine expert and he had a love for food. And so I used to hang out with his friends and we'd do lots of cooking. And one night they were making shrimp scampi and they cooked the portobello mushrooms in this scampi butter. So basically garlic and butter and they were like candy. And ever since I was a mushroom convert. So sometimes it's just about finding the right type mix cooking style. The first time you really enjoy something and then letting it go from there. I'm sure you can think of a thing in your life where you didn't like a certain cooking style and then trying it differently. It was good. So don't give up on something just because of the way your mom cooked it. Like when my mom used to boil asparagus all the time and cook all the flavor out of it. So good grilled and sauteed and roasted. All right, let's talk to Meredith. She is going to talk to us 
all about the upper limit. So today on the Less Stressed Life, we are welcoming my dear friend Meredith Kelly. Hey, Meredith, what's your married name going to be soon? It's actually going to be Meredith Conroy, awesome. and I'm trying to figure out if I want to go with Kelly Conroy and make it super Irish or just leave it at Conroy. Oh, I love it so much. So Meredith is a 30-something former party girl turned fitness and health enthusiast living in Massachusetts with her lovely fiancé, Chris, who I've met, and her fur baby, Hank, who is just a tank. He is such a tank. Uh, she graduated with a degree. <laughs> yeah, he's wonderful. She graduated with a degree in health science and exercise phys from Northeastern University and is now a full-time health coach, which is actually a pretty big undertaking. Um, she she aspires to empower others and help them recognize their own potential. And I invited Meredith here today because she totally is. She was like my first inspirational personal development guru, I would say. So, Meredith, welcome. Thank you so much, Chris. I'm excited to be here. Yes. So Meredith, um, I met Meredith through serendipity. I mean, because that's how our life rolls, right? So I had a, a dietitian friend, and she met Meredith at a ski resort. I mean, and just one thing led to another. And before I knew it, we were in the same network of um, health coaching and kind of like uh, figuring out, you know, we were in like mastermind, basically, of helping each other figure out how to help other people. And Meredith is just probably one of the more selfless people that I've met. And now that I know more and more of her story, um, it just makes me love her so much more. And as I said, she was kind of one of my early personal development people. So uh, she, 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 she can kind of speak to this a little bit more, but she, I think, is kind of a personal development junkie, and she just has so much to share. And recently we were able to get together in New Hampshire for a coaching retreat, and she said something that never left my mind. She said something about um, not about hitting your upper limit and not accepting successes that you get, something like that. And so I invited her here to talk a little bit about what that means and how we hit our upper limit and things like that. Um, so I am excited for Meredith to drop some nuggets on us. And I, Meredith, can you tell us a little bit about how you understand personal upper limits and what is the upper limit? When did you first hear about it? Take the show. So before I get into that, I just want to first say thank you, Krista, for having me. This is like so cool to be here. This is actually my first time being on the podcast. So I'll admit I'm a little nervous. I'll try to slow down. I'm naturally a fast talker. Um, but really excited to talk about this topic because um, backing up just a little bit and kind of giving um, the listeners a little bit of background on me. So I'm a health and fitness coach now, um, but I was actually, I studied physical therapy through college um, and was in that major for about three and a half, four years and then had decided I was going to try to go for med school. So I switched into pre-med and was um, getting my exercise physiology minor as well and kind of slammed on the brakes in my fourth year and said, oh, I don't know if I'm really passionate about that. And um, I ended up changing and just getting a business minor as well and thinking I would just do something a little bit more general, but I wasn't really sure what. So long story short, I landed myself actually in technology sales after college. So I did that for several years um, because it looked good on paper, it, you know, paid the bills, and it was something that was um, just a good job. You know, I didn't, I didn't hate it by any means, but um, I really developed this passion for health and fitness along the side and realized that's really where my heart was um, simply because it's something that really helped to pull me out of a personal rut that I was in. And um, when I was able to conquer, 
my own demons and kind of get out of that rut, I realized how empowering it was to help others do the same. So that's kind of how I got into all of this. Um, and the reason why I tell you that story is because I think the upper limit is something that I really struggled with my entire life. Um, and I'll relate that back to, you know, my, my major and slamming on the brakes of med school and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but I first want to tell you what I understand it to be. So I understand an upper limit actually kind of as being a defense mechanism more than anything. Um, because I think as humans and as people, we're, we're all afraid of failure to some extent. You know, I think that success and um, triumph and victory and all that kind of stuff is glamorized so much in our world, but we don't often see the work it takes to get to those places. So a lot of us see the success, but we don't understand that there's going to be a lot of uncertainty, a lot of risk, and a lot of um, downfalls in that process. So rather than going through all of that, a lot of the time I think we just stop ourselves. We stop ourselves from even trying because we're so worried and, uh, like, fearful of hitting that failure or facing it if it happens. We don't even know if it's going to happen, but instead of looking at the what ifs and saying, oh, what if I am successful, instead we look and we say, what if I fail? So I understand the upper limit as us kind of um, withholding our our 100% effort so that we actually don't attain that success because we're afraid of it, but we're more afraid of failure. Um, and when I say it's a self-defense mechanism, um, what I mean by that is I think sometimes, and I'll go into more detail on this, um, you know, as we get deeper into this, but I think people do it so that they have something to blame. They have something, whether it's in their health and fitness, whether it's in relationships, whether it's in a career, they do something to self-sabotage it. So that way they have a reason for why it didn't work out. They have something that they can pinpoint and put their finger on. So that way if it fails, if, you know, if they, if they didn't have something to pinpoint, that would be an additional level of uncertainty. So I don't know if that makes sense, um, but that's really kind of how, I, how I've wrapped my head around it. Not only do I think it makes sense, but I'm taking notes as usual because that's always good. And what I'm hearing is that I just resonate because I know I've done it myself and I've watched other people do it. And it literally crushes you because it's almost like I need to have an, a, uh, I need to establish this with people early on when we're working together. Like, do you need tough love or do you need to be like self-affirmed? Because sometimes I want to tell people like, dude, you're just... Uh, you're just afraid of the failure. We're all afraid of it early on. And if you don't try, like, don't you think you might always regret it? I mean, we come up with lots of reasons. <laughs> and I just resonated with it because, I mean, I've done it. Apparently, you've done it. I'm sure a lot of people that are listening have done this. I mean, you can just think of a time where it's like you just didn't do it because you're too afraid of how it could poorly go instead of, you know, yeah. just pushing through. When did you first hear about it? And um, and how how did that make you feel initially? Was that like hitting you like a truck? Yeah, well, honestly, it wasn't because and I think some of this um, boils down to self-awareness um, and really getting to know who we are and, and accepting some of these flaws in ourselves, for lack of a better term, because I heard the first I heard the term for the first time even before I left my corporate job um, with Oracle last June, and it was um, by my mentor, actually. She had brought it up to me because she's someone – I work with her closely, but I kind of do my own thing. I'm very I'm very independent in running my business, um, and I'm someone who likes to set big goals. So I set big goals, and a lot of the time I was hitting milestones along the way, um, and she was telling me, like, Meredith, you need to stop and, like, take a breath and celebrate these successes. And, you know, I would kind of brush it off and, and I'd always find like, not necessarily the negative, but I find like a reason why, um, 
it wasn't something to be celebrated or, you know, I just, I just was kind of weird about it. I don't know why, but, um, or I'd focus on like the one, the one bad thing of a situation, whether it was a relationship or, um, you know, something that happened in my business or, um, something that happened with my own fitness and health. And I would always focus on what went wrong rather than what went right. So she always brought it up to me and said, Meredith, I think you have this upper limit thing and you need to read this book. Um, it's a book called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. Um, highly recommend reading it if this is something, if this podcast resonates with you because she had said, you need to read this book. And I actually read the entire book and the whole time I was kind of thinking like, okay, yeah, I guess, I guess I, I kind of relate this. But I think I was in denial, honestly. This was something where I said, no, like, I don't, I don't think I do that really. And maybe in some situations, but it didn't really hit me like a load of bricks until, um, really about six months ago when all of a sudden I said, oh my gosh, like I've been just feeling stuck, feeling stuck mentally and physically and just, um, not putting forth my best effort. And all of a sudden I realized like, wow, I'm doing exactly what this book talked about, you know, and I'm doing, I'm not giving this 100% because I'm afraid of what will happen if I do give 100% and it still isn't enough to get me to where I want to go. So I was, I was self-sabotaging and kind of giving myself that pinpoint reason of, well, I'm just not, I'm not doing the work and that's why I'm not where I want to be. It's not because I'm not good enough. It's because I'm just not doing it. But at least you being here now, I, I hear you, you're open-minded enough to realize that, like that you read the book and you were like, oh, this isn't me. And then when the when the right time presented itself and when you allowed yourself the space to think, because <laughs> that's what a lot of us don't do. And I can hear it in the way you described your story is that you set big goals and you just kept pushing and you maybe didn't even take a moment to stop and think. It was just like, all right, moving on to the next month, moving on to the next thing. You know, let's set more big goals. And sometimes you just have to stop, reflect, and give yourself that white space to, like, really let it all soak in. And the one thing that I just heard this yesterday on someone's Snapchat, um, I thought it was, I, like, love, love, love this analogy. And what you said right there, I just started writing it down, is that, like, sometimes you have to treat your business or whatever that thing is in your life like a sports game. So you have to stop and celebrate the wins, like have a halftime every once in a while, like timeouts, but really stop and celebrate the wins. Like if you went in to the locker room at halftime and all you did was tell the team how much they sucked at everything, like do you really think that you're going to win the game? No, because you're just like getting yourself in the wrong mindset. And so, um, so I mean, because that's just what I was hearing in your thought. I'm like, oh, I just was thinking about even, you know, my husband's, um, family's career, you know, and how they work so hard. I'm like, dude, got to stop and celebrate the wins. And that's, you know, how you prevent burnout and all those other pieces. So it's just, it's funny how like one, one Jenga block stacks on top of the other. 100%. And I think it also boils down to gratitude. Um, and I, um, gratitude and vulnerability. Um, I was actually just recently finished the book, um, The Power of Vulnerability by Brene Brown. And that's another one. And, and you said I'm, you know, a personal development junkie, but, I've really evolved over the last couple of years because it took me a while to really embrace that concept of personal development or self-help as I had called it and was totally weirded out by. Um, but it's something I can't get enough of now. And I think listening to things now, three years into my business, um, I get a completely different message than I did when I listened to them three years ago when I was just starting out. So if you're someone that's just getting started in this, if it still feels kind of weird, I encourage you to just keep at it. And within couple of years, you'll be listening to things and having a whole new lens and a whole new perspective. But I was listening or listening to Brene Brown talk about this vulnerability and experiencing joy in our lives and celebrating our accomplishments. And sometimes she said, you know, if, um, 
people, we just sometimes get so caught up in what can go wrong. And I've mentioned this already, what can go wrong versus what can go right, where we'll be in a situation where everything is great. Everything, like, things are just going really well. And for some reason, we have to just create something negative because we're not used to experiencing joy in our lives. And I think that that's, it's vulnerable because you worry, like, if I experience joy, when am I going to come down from this? Um, so instead of, like, waiting for something to happen to bring you down, we create it ourselves because, once again, then we have a reason um, and something to blame as to why we're feeling the way we're feeling. So I think that that's something that's really important, too, is celebrating those victories and those wins, but being okay with being vulnerable and experiencing joy in the process. I love all of that I so much. I took lots of notes right there. My 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 yeah. pen was writing quickly. Um, I just hear I, so many things I totally resonate with is that, yeah, if you hear something, it's all about being at the right place at the right time. So, yeah, if you go back and, and dig into some of that things, you know, I didn't mention this at the beginning, but uh, some of our early masterminding calls, I just have probably a whole notebook full of gold nuggets um, of some of, like, your personal development takeaways and just some other people's. And if I would go back and look at that, I mean, the world would just unfold in so many other new ways. It's it's amazing. And like you said, um, you have to just be open-minded enough. Like, no one really thinks they need the self-help. And I think that's where we just have to stop and say, I mean, I heard it when you said, yeah, you were reading The Big Leap for the first time. And it was like, I didn't really need this. But we all just have to, like, stand back and allow our, like, we have to take down the wall that we put up around ourselves so that way we can experience that joy because we build ourselves into a silo sometimes and put that glass ceiling on our head. And you know what? We all deserve so much more joy and less stress and just more happiness and Sometimes it just boils down to self-sabotage and, like, our own mindset, right? So Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so earlier, before we got on the phone, I, I was messaging you, and I asked if you would compare the upper limit to imposter syndrome. It's funny because I, I was using those interchangeably, and you kind of understand them differently. So imposter syndrome for me, um, you know, I have, like, an intern right now, and I'm – trying to help her understand how she could help others by doing this running coaching thing. And she said, I don't really feel qualified. I don't think people would want to, you know, hire me for that and all these things. I'm like, dude, you just have imposter syndrome. Like no one thinks that they're good enough for anything when they start um, or often that they don't, if it's, if it's something that's new and scary or whatever, especially if it's career related, it seems like. And so, so that's kind of how I had viewed imposter syndrome or, and that's kind of related to like people not making you feel good about yourself early in your life and things like that. But you tell me like how you view imposter syndrome versus, um, the upper limit. Yeah. So maybe, and I think we, maybe we're on different, a little bit different pages on the interpretation of that. And I'm just going by the the name imposter syndrome. And I was thinking it more as, um, someone trying to imitate someone else because we all kind of, I think we're all guilty of the comparison game sometimes. And we look to someone else and say, okay, well, they did X, Y, and Z to be successful. So that means I need to do X, Y, and Z to be successful. And while I agree in the statement that success leaves clues and, and you should really be um, kind of trying to decode what people are doing to be successful and following their footsteps in terms of behavior and in terms of mannerisms and that kind of stuff, I do think that we fall into the trap of being inauthentic to ourselves when we're trying to be too much like someone else. So there's a fine line between being true to yourself and really embracing who you are and your goals and your visions for your own life or creating, you know, and creating ones just because someone else has those. 
because sometimes, you know, we, we have a tendency to build goals and visions based on what other people are telling us we should have as opposed to what we actually want. And I think that that's, that's something we can talk about separately, but I think that that's really, really very important when we're talking about the upper limit because sometimes we're upper limiting ourselves because we don't know what our vision is. We don't know what's next. And I think that's a big reason why I personally experienced the upper limit because my goal of going full-time with my coaching business was something that was on a three- to five-year trajectory for me, and it happened um, much quicker than that. So um, so for me, that was like I hit that goal, and then I didn't know what to do because I wasn't able to build a vision beyond that. So with imposter syndrome, I think sometimes we fall into that trap of creating goals and visions based on what everyone else is doing. But I think of the upper limit as more something that is um, – limiting our efforts, not necessarily how we're putting forth the effort, but just not putting forth 100% of that effort, if that makes sense. No, I think it's wonderful. I think everything you said there was wonderful. I just, I'm trying to reiterate it, you know, and we have different thoughts on like imposter syndrome. Like, yes, absolutely. Like you can't try to follow, the, the longer you try, if you rely on another person for happiness, you will never be happy. And that was kind of, that was my takeaway from, I hate, I do not want to get political. That was my takeaway from the political race a little bit this year was that like people can just become so angry over something that felt a little superficial to me. Like, I mean, I haven't met the president yet, so I guess I don't feel very attached to him. And I guess I just thought like, well, we can't let, we can't put all of our happiness in one bowl. Like, I mean, and there's so much that we can control on a personal level to make ourselves happy. Absolutely. And I just love, I think that's a reminder. I think that's a good reminder. And I think also like we just have to be real with ourselves sometimes and say, you know, am I not achieving things because I'm limiting my own efforts? And like, if I am, then why should I keep going down that path? Like I need to like stop that and reassess and refocus and refocus basically. I was at this this conference a couple months ago and she used a really great analogy about um, going to the gun range with her dad. I just love this analogy because it helps us remember things, right? So going to the gun range with her dad and, and learning how to shoot, you know, and, and so dad's saying, um, honey, you know, like you have to stop and like just readjust it and refocus a little bit, like if your target's off. And so I actually think about that a lot when I'm thinking about how I have to like stop and refocus, you know, because those types of things help us yeah. remember. So love, love, love all that. Love everything you've said. Um, so you are a mentor in so many ways. You've been a mentor to me and others. And, you know, how do you see – so you've done, like, the self-awareness of how the mm-hmm. upper limit has affected your own life. How do you see the upper limit manifesting in the people that you mastermind with and, like, other health coaches and also in the clients that you're helping? Oh, gosh, I see it a lot um, in different ways. So I can kind of break it down um, for coaches first and then the clients that I work with from a um, health and fitness perspective. And there is some crossover in those. Obviously, to be a coach, you got to be focused on your health and fitness. But for coaches, I'm going to talk more about the business and about life goals. And I think um, it is a self-awareness piece, but it's also people getting really clear on their goals and their vision, which I mentioned already, but also the work that's required to get there. Because I think a lot of the time, again, going back to the whole, you know, success being glamorized thing. I don't, I think a lot of people will see that they see the chapter 25 or the chapter 30 of someone's life and their, their building of a business. And they don't realize that they had to get through chapter one through 24 or one through 29 to get there. So I think a lot of the time, um, people will kind of limit themselves in terms of the effort they're putting forth because they don't have a big enough vision or goal, but also because they don't just, they don't have an understanding of the magnitude 
of effort it requires. And sometimes it's not the vision and the goals aren't strong enough to overcome that work that's required. So I think that there's, there's, it's a two part thing. You have to realize, okay, am I willing to put forth the effort or when you're finding yourself limiting, you know, am I, am I limiting? And why is that? Is it because I'm afraid of the success or is it because I really don't want it? Because that's okay too, to like face the music and say, you know what? I don't want that goal. I don't want that vision and be okay with changing courses and redirecting yourself because sometimes refocusing means finding a new target. Um, but I think that there's some, you know, confusion in that process. And again, it's that vulnerability of saying, okay, I'm all right with giving up on this goal because it's not right with for me. Um, but I think also getting really real with yourself and saying, am I giving up because I don't think I can do it or am I giving up because it's not right? So I think it's really trying to help them figure that out because I see that happening with some of my um, the coaches that I mentor and I see them giving up on things because um, either they're afraid of the success, afraid they're not good enough, or they're trying to cut corners. Um, and that's where I think the imposter syndrome really starts to manifest is people are trying to do what other people are doing um, and really thinking that they're going to have immediate success by doing that just for a temporary amount of time. I love what you said right there. Am I trying to you know, am I limited because I can't do it or because or because I think I can't do it or because it's not right? And I think that's such a important delineation to make. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think from a client perspective, um, I see and we'll talk mostly about physical results because a lot of the time I'm working with people who are um, overweight or lacking confidence um, or underweight and need to gain weight, you know, and they're in their just having trouble in their life because, as we mentioned before, I think your happiness really depends on you taking care of you first. I think we can only love other people and provide for other people as much as we're willing to love ourselves and provide for ourselves. Um, so I, I work with a lot of people in helping them to build that self-confidence through their health and fitness and taking control of their lives. But I see people have amazing results, and they're starting to really create tremendous impact and change in their lives. And then they go and mess it up <laughs> with either, you know, a binge, a weekend of binge eating or drinking, or they do something um, that they know they're going to later regret, or they skip their workouts when they just did, you know, two weeks or three weeks straight and they're feeling amazing. Um, you know, all of a sudden they self-sabotage. And I think it's maybe for two reasons. I think, number one, maybe they're not seeing the results as quickly on the outside um, as they they feel they should be because of the work they put in. Um, so they sabotage so that way they can say, oh, well, I had that terrible weekend or I skipped my workouts for the last week, so that's why I'm not where I want to be. It's not about, you know, oh, I put in the effort and I did everything I could and I still didn't succeed. It's that kind of um, self-defense mechanism. Or it's, again, because there's a deeper-rooted issue happening inside that they realize is still not fixed. So even if they're losing weight and they're feeling better on the outside, if what's happening on the inside isn't really being addressed, then they're going to self-sabotage because it's a way of, again, protecting themselves. So I think this all kind of goes hand in hand where we really have to work on what's happening between the ears, you know, and then what's happening in their heart as well as what's happening on the outside. So I really try to help people take ownership and accountability of their decisions and what they're doing and not feel pressured by it, but instead feel empowered by it and knowing that they do have control over what's going to happen next and what's happening in their future. Mind blown right there so much because, first of all, first love yourself, love, love that, that motto. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what you're saying is not easy. Like, you have a big job. I mean, it's not yours. It's not your job. But it's like you're facilitating, you're helping to facilitate, like, people having sort of a wake-up call, 
um, increasing their yep. confidence, like bringing them to a new empowered place. And honestly, like our world is just missing that. We do not have that. It's not there. And I know that people listening to this podcast are really smart because they're podcast listeners. So maybe they don't have as much of a problem, but hopefully they go share this with someone that they love. Because I had a friend who's a newer mom. She has two young kids at home. And that's kind of where I was when I first got to where I was, like, feeling like crap, not my most confident. And, I mean, I'm a freaking diet nutritionist, you know. And so, and I was, that, my ego really got in the way, definitely, when I was, like, seeking, when I finally decided, like, oh, my gosh, this is not working. I need some help. Because, guess what? We all have, like, when we let ourselves get into our own heads, the biggest issue is us, right? So I think uh, that's kind of where, like, having a community, I've seen this in different places where they talk about the things that help us be the most successful is, like, you know, plugging into a particular community or whatever, and that's probably why, you know, certain um, methods for, like, wellness and different things are more successful than others and different efforts because sometimes when you try to go it alone because, you know, not everyone wants to admit they're getting help with something, it's like, you know, just – smart people get help, you know, because that's the shortcut, like to get help and to have someone help keep you accountable. That's the shortcut. Um, Right. And surrounding yourself with people who are going to be supportive of that. And I think that's what's really um, unique about our coaching community and about the the fitness groups I run is it's um, a lot. It's mostly females um, that I work with, but they're all so supportive of each other. And I think that that's really rare. Um, you know, we have a lot of people who everyone's so outwardly concerned about what people think of them and, um, you know, if, if they're going to be accepted and if they're going to be good enough and all that kind of stuff when all you have to be good enough for yourself, <laughs> you know, like empower yourself. And, and I think sometimes that is not only making those positive decisions for yourself, but also helping other people to make those positive decisions and cheering them on when they're doing that. So kind of seeing that mutual support in our community is something that I think really drives the positive self-awareness, but also helping people to feel even like those small little decisions and those small, seemingly small changes that they're making in their lives that maybe they're not going to give themselves a pat on the back for when they share that with other people and get that recognition and that affirmation that it's making a difference. I think that that's something that keeps them going. Right, for sure. It is a rarity for females to build a female sometimes, isn't it? And then the other piece I was just going to mention is that um, helping people see their vision and just being realistic sometimes that can take time to see results but that's part of the journey you also have to embrace the journey a little bit as well so um so Mm -hmm. if you had so since you've studied this and been really aware of it I mean it's something you've learned about in corporate it's something that you see in your clients that you see in your you know colleagues um do you see any like since you've observed so much upper limit syndrome, perhaps, what key traits or elements do you see? Or is there common threads that you've noticed um, that maybe, is there a way basically, like if our listeners like said, oh my gosh, I think I have this problem. Like what are some steps that they could do to say like, one, I recognize I have this. And two, like, what can I start today to overcome it? Like, you know, how do I know that I am dealing with this? I think if you if you have it, you know. Um, but two, like, what can I actually do today? Because I think often we listen to something like this and then we're like, all right, I'm going to walk into work now or go do my thing or whatever. And, like, just carry on my merry way and then we don't do anything about it. So, so what, right. like, takeaway points can you give us? So I have a couple here where I think, number one, the first step is, is facing the reality of the situation. And when I say that, I mean you're taking yourself out of the situation and looking at the facts 
Because sometimes we really get down on ourselves about something when it's really not that bad. And we make a situation way worse than it is or we are creating some story, we're fabricating a story in our own heads about something that is way more exaggerated than the reality of the situation. So, and sometimes, maybe sometimes it's not. Maybe sometimes we're telling ourselves that we're okay and we're fine and that, you know, this is quote unquote good enough. Um, but it's really not. So face the reality of the situation and ask myself, you know, am I really happy where I'm at? And is the story I'm telling myself actually true? You know, is this, is this true or is this something that I've created in my mind? So give yourself a gut check on what the reality of your situation and where you are in your life is, and then get really clear on your goals and your vision. Because I, I work with a lot of people who they're just kind of going through the motions of life. And I say this as someone, I'm not trying to be preachy, but I'm saying this as someone who did that for so long. I did it for so long. I went into my job every day because that's what it I was supposed to do, you know. And, and then I think that the reality of the situation just hit me that, like, okay, so this is what I'm going to do until I'm 65? Like, what? Like, what's, what for? You know, what kind of life is that? And I think I started to realize that that's not the life I wanted to live. I wanted to have big goals and a big vision for myself, and it scared the crap out of me. But that made me so much more excited than living a mediocre life. So I think the first step is creating is facing the reality of the situation and understanding if you're telling yourself some sort of story that's false, um, but also getting clear on your goals and vision. So I know that's kind of multiple steps all in one, um, but I think it's kind of just like getting getting yourself together um, is step one. Number two is realigning with that vision. So assuming you've created the vision and goals for yourself, even if it's a one one year plan or even if it's a one month plan, you know where do you want to be 30 days from now? Um, and create a 30-day vision board. If you can't look 30 months down the line, then look 30 days down the line and see where do I want to go. Set dates and deadlines for yourself um, and a daily action that's going to align with those goals. Because um, I think that we all heard the quote that, you know, inaction breeds fear, and fear is what paralyzes us. So as long as you stay in that state of uncertainty, you're going to stay in a state of inaction, which is just going to breed more fear. So do something today based on those goals that you've set for yourself for 30 days out, even if it's something really, really small, like doing five minutes of meditation to think about that that vision and those goals. And um, a really good app for that is, is an app called Headspace. Um, so that's something I've downloaded and I use now daily. They take you through a little you know, five-minute, ten-minute meditation. So doing something like that. Um, you know, setting a, a, your alarm and not hitting snooze tomorrow morning. Um, sounds crazy, but those little actions you do for yourself can really help build your confidence and build those small wins. Um, so those are a couple things that I would that I would encourage you to do: is facing the reality of the situation, creating a timeline for yourself with goals and vision, and then taking some sort of action today um, to start moving toward that goal. I love it. I think you just painted like. I think you just painted like a total life, multiple life coaching sessions there for them, yeah. basically right there. I mean, because I was simple I, as it should have been. <laughs> no, it was wonderful. And you know, it's a good interview when I'm just smiling with your gut reaction, yeah. your gut takeaways. I'm like, this is so good, so good. And I mean, I'm just like, yeah. people's names are popping into my head, you know, along with me because I also mentor people. And so I'm like, yes. I can't wait to share this episode with them. Um, and I, I yeah, really, oh, I, I'm so glad. You, I'm, I circled multiple times. One daily action. Dude, like action breeds clarity. Yeah. Like I had a mentor one time and that's all she would say. And honestly, it doesn't always make sense until you're living it. And you just have to keep you. If you would do nothing else, you must put one foot in front of the other. And I don't mean go through the motions. 
but you must put one foot in front of the other. Like if you know something isn't quite right, then you have to just stop and like have the sense enough to like write it yeah. down, kind of work on figuring it out. And guess yeah, what? That it takes a long time. It's messy, isn't it? It's messy to figure it out. Um, but you can do it. You can do it for sure. And I appreciate yeah. so much like the app suggestion that you gave us, you know, and setting an alarm for that. The, I've heard multiple times that like the most successful people in the world all share, share meditation. So um, it's funny that you mentioned that. Yeah. I went to a float spa for my birthday yeah. last week and I like that morning I was like, all right, I'm going to try to meditate by this like waterfall thing. I don't know. I was staying with a friend that had a little waterfall and I, I sat out there and I was like, ah, an eternity has gone by. And I looked at my phone and three minutes had gone by. And uh, it's hilarious, yeah. like how much we struggle with it. In fact, I'm working on planning a retreat and I talked to a fun yoga gal today and I, I told her that story. I'm like, oh, it was a... anyway, I was able to go onto the float spot, take a nap floating in the water and I, all was well. But I think it takes practice. I think it takes practice to, to kind it of like... Yes, but yeah. it's something that, you know, and I think that that kind of the, one of the things I want to end on here is um, is evolving as a person. I think, you know, you, we're, we're all going to hit that upper limit at some point in our lives, hopefully, um, because it means that we've we've hit kind of the glass ceiling for of success. We're growing. We're, we're hitting milestones and um, hopefully celebrating them along the way. Um, but I think the, the more you can keep setting new goals for yourself and, and creating bigger visions and bigger goals for yourself, um, you have to grow as a person in order to become the person that can achieve those goals and those visions. And I know that sounds maybe a little bit cliche, but I think the more action you can take, the more you grow internally um, from a personal development standpoint and, and a personal growth standpoint, but also in facing your fears, the more confidence you're going to build and the more powerful you're going to feel um, just as an individual. So I think, you know, something like meditation is not something I would have ever pictured myself doing even six months ago. I thought that that was just really something I wouldn't do. <laughs> and here I am, I'm doing it, and it's giving me a whole new level of clarity. Um, so I think you have to be willing to grow and evolve as a, as a person in order to break through those upper limits. Yeah. You are awesome, Meredith. You are born, you know, you probably never knew this, that you had this gift to share with people and dropping <laughs> knowledge and nuggets and at least, you know, curating them all together. Where can people find you if they want to work with you or find out more or just, you know, be in touch? My uh, my website is MeredithKellyFitness.com and you can email me at Meredith at MeredithKellyFitness.com. Um, and on Instagram, I'm Meredith underscore Kelly. Beautiful. I'm glad that you have an easy to spell name. So, very good yeah, for I our listeners. I've been with Meredith, so you never know what people come up with for that. But. Yeah. Well, it'll be in the show notes, so people will be able to find it. Anyway, I appreciate you so very much, Meredith. I am. Um, I, I feel appreciate you, Chris. I you. let's end on gratitude because that's what you said. It starts with that, and I just feel so thankful yeah. that you've entered my life because unknowingly. The domino that you set in place by entering my life has had a positive trajectory in many ways, opened up different doors, and you just can't ever discount um, the things that you listen to, that you encounter, and the people that you meet that, um, that can just have a positive impact on your life. So thank you so much. Totally. Thank you, Krista. I appreciate it.